Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today we are diving into the psychology of price. And this, this is likely something you've thought about. How do I price my products? What's going to move more of my products and hopefully what will maximize my profits? Uh, but today we're going to dive in. We're going to talk to an expert on this subject and give you some tips and tricks and ideas on how you can better price your products to increase sales and profits. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. And we are thrilled to underwrite this program and bring some amazing guests to you. I have a question for you. How is your YouTube game? Are you using YouTube to help scale your e-commerce business? Hopefully, you're using YouTube both as a remarketing vehicle and also for top of funnel growth. However, if you're like most e-commerce companies, then you're probably not fully leveraging YouTube. So I have two free resources for you. The first is a two-minute crash course on YouTube ads. I recorded this with the famous Ezra Firestone. So you can check that out by looking at the links in the show notes to this show. You can also Google Smart Marketer and two-minute crash course, and you'll find the resource there. Also, we recorded a 90-minute webinar outlining exactly how we scale with YouTube. We talk about keys to a great YouTube ad. We talk about audience targeting. We talk about bidding, optimization, and much, much more. So I highly, highly recommend you check it out. You can also find that linked here in the show notes. It's also at the bottom of the two-minute crash course page. So check them out and start scaling with YouTube. And now, back to the show. My guest today is Paulina Mason. She's the founder of Shopkeeper, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And she's a longtime Amazon seller coming to us all the way from Turkey, believe it or not. So Paulina, really excited to have you on the show. Welcome. And I'm really excited to dive into this topic. Thank you, Brett. Very happy to be here. Yeah. So for those that don't know, and we were just talking before we hit record, uh, some pictures from Turkey popped up in my Instagram feed from some traveling traveling group of, I don't know, uh, I follow a lot of travel stuff on Instagram. But Turkey is a pretty beautiful place on the coast, right? So describe where you live for people that don't really know much about Turkey. So imagine the water, which you can see through. It's like light blue. And then there's the hills right next to it, the mountains. And the White House is like one on top of the ice. And everyone has the sea view. <laughs> it's amazing. So almost like the That's picture, if you've seen uh, pictures of the, the coast of Greece or, or Italy. Very or, or similar, Very yes. similar. Yeah, it just yeah. sounds amazing. So uh, I have to put <laughs> that amazing. on my... Yeah, I have to put that on my list to visit. Now, um, we're going to be digging into price and the psychology behind it, which I'm super fascinated in. And this is something we've noticed even in our agency. And, you know, we charge for services, not for products, but, but price has a difference. It makes a difference, has an impact from a, a, a service standpoint uh, as well. So a lot that goes into pricing. It's not just logic. It's uh, There's emotion wrapped up in there and, and all kinds of other things as well. Uh, now, if you would, uh, Paulina, can you give a little bit of your background before we dive into pricing? Let's talk background for you. And, and when you say long-term Amazon seller, what does that, what does that mean? So 
so long for me because in my career of entrepreneurship, I have started three or four, three and a half businesses. <laughs> and I feel that on the internet, everything comes and goes, comes and goes. So there's a life cycle to everything online. So when I say a long time, that's in internet terms. And yes. it's in 2014 when I jumped on the wagon, you know, those days when we call it the gold rush. Absolutely. If you would use the Google Trends and you put in Amazon FBA, that's the point when eBay started going down and Amazon FBA started going up. That's exactly when many, many sellers joined with me. And now I think it's about 5 million third-party sellers on Amazon. So Isn't that crazy? Just, yeah. Just it is crazy. Astronomical growth. And we, and we were discussing though, so it's only five years. So in some parts of your life, five years is nothing. Five years is a blink and, and five years is gone, right? But for Amazon, that's like a different lifetime. That was a different different way of doing business. Like everything has changed. So uh, selling on Amazon for five years does make you a long time seller for sure. So um, very cool. And then and then before again before we talk pricing, give us the quick rundown. What is what is Shopkeeper and why did you start that venture? So I became an Amazon seller after one of the ventures was sort of starting to go down. I created a new basket of eggs, which was the Amazon FBA. And because my background is software developer, so I always have these ideas in my head. Oh, I actually could make this. And I was totally missing some profit calculator that would not just show me only Canada or only US, but also would show me all the other marketplaces that I was selling on, converted to Canadian dollars because I lived in Canada. And show me all of the profit in just Canadian dollars, not having to compare Mexican dollars to Japanese yen and so on. So I created that app myself for myself, you know, as a tool. And eventually my brother asked for it. My husband is a seller and then a Facebook group posted it. And eventually I had to just build a commercial product. So I hired a team and there was Shopkeeper Barn. And now we are very... Um, good, <laughs> big, successful project. So I'm really proud of it. And that's how it came about. I love that. And, and it, that seems to be, there seems to be a similar story with a lot of the well-known, most loved, most loved SaaS platforms is they're often born out of someone's very specific needs. So either an Amazon seller, e-commerce store owner, they build a tool for their own need to solve a problem or, or ease some pain in a particular area. And then it takes off. Uh, word of mouth shows that, hey, there's a lot of interest in this project. And then that, that leads to more. So cool. Well, excited to dive into more about what Shopkeeper does. And we'll kind of circle back to that in a little bit. But, but let's, let's dig into the psychology of pricing. And we're going to talk about this from lots of different angles and should be a lot of fun and very informative as well. So I'm going to start with, with kind of an interesting one. And I think this is one that a lot of people ask. So if I'm pricing a product, should I end it in with 99 cents? So should I go 599 or should I go $6? Should I end in 0 .00? What's, what's the difference, right? Because we can all logically look at something that's priced at $5.99 versus $6. And we know it's the same price essentially. But how would you price it and why? Like, what do you feel? Like, what's your instinct on that? Which one would you go well, five ninety nine feels better. And and why? Don't know. It feels like a lower price. It feels um, yeah. It's like psychology. Like There's like price. automatic feeling to it, right? Some yeah. something that is so conditioned. Something yep. automatic. So you know what happened? That everywhere we see this ninety nine, ninety nine, ninety nine, ninety nine. Well, the reasoning behind 
the whole usage of that was because $29.99 were versus $30. Well, 20 something and 30 something. Obviously, the 99 one sounds cheaper, so you are using the one cent difference, especially it's important on those edges, you know, from 29 to 30 and from 24.99 to 25. That's like the biggest edges, and that's when the difference is most significant. But in general, because we are seeing so many 99, 99, 99 everywhere, psychologically, we are now conditioned to believe that if it has 99 at the end, it's a sort of bargain, a good deal. And what that gives, that also suddenly means that very often good bargain, good deal, that means it's cheap, something cheap. And if it's cheap, very often it means a cheap quality, lower quality item. So now that what what you can use it for is if you round your numbers, if you make the price zero, zero at the end, you suddenly are a little bit different to the eye. Like psychologically, you just automatically consume the price. Mm, something different. So must be not so cheap, not such a bargain, not such a low quality. Therefore, if you have a more luxury item and you want to position yourself as a luxury item, it's recommended to use zero zeros at the end just to have it a little bit of effect. Ah, it's not a bargain, not a cheap product, right? So that's the the whole little secret there. And in in general, there are three different types of buyers on Amazon. So there's the the Scrooges, so to say, and then there's the average. I'm related. I'm related. (laughs) I'm related to some of those. Uh, I watch them shop and hear them talk. Uh, Nothing wrong with the Scrooges, Scrooges? by the way. Nothing wrong with being. No, very often they are the most rich people, and it doesn't depend on the income level, by the way. Right, right. (laughs) Yes, your Scrooge doesn't mean that you don't have any money. Very often you have more than anyone else. Yeah, you know. So there's the Scrooges, there's the average sellers, and there's the big spenders. And there has been a study done. Uh, research. So we know the percentages of how many of each type we have. So those Scrooges is only 22% or 25. Let me think about it. I think it's about 25% to Scrooges. 61 is the average spender. And then only 15% is the big spender. So now if you are doing the luxury products, most likely is going to fall into that category where you are targeting the big spender with your luxury item. So most of the time, if you are in a bucket with those lower priced items or middle priced items, you always use this 99 at the end, you know, 99, 97 and 95 are all good options. So um, that's the idea. There's, I'll tell you what else happened to this psychological conditioning of 999s everywhere. Walmart uses 995 everywhere and internet marketers like to use 997. Like they use the sevens a lot. In right. the end. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Have you noticed that? I had totally haven't. It seems like it needs to be, it, they want to make it an odd number. So 95, 97 rather than 96 or 94. And I don't know exactly why on that. So it's because they use it because five, seven, and nine are the charm, so-called charm numbers. So they are the ones which are we psychologically conditioned to believe that they're cheaper, better deal. So uh, because of that, what happens is when you use five, seven, or nine in your prices as digits, for example, 34, 34 will sell worse than 39, even though the price is such a difference in price, $5 difference. But 39 sells better than 34 sells. Of course, if you have competitors, everyone is $34, you know, don't test such drastic strategies to 39. Right, right. Just do 37 or something like that, but use 35. So use five sevens and nines to maximize on that 99, 99 effect. 
that we have psychologically. Yeah, it's really interesting. And and, and again, I we kind of preface the, the conversation with this is this is not just a logical thing. I mean, there's certainly logic that plays into it as you're running calculations and seeing, you know, what is my price change going to do to my bottom line um, in, in terms of, you know, profit margin and total profit and all that. Like that's very logical. But the, the way that, that buyers interpret numbers and internalize numbers and are, are motivated by numbers is, is uh, not very logical. But I will say, I, I like that you prefaced everything with, if you're selling bargain discount, you're appealing to like the average shopper or that, um, I guess the Scrooges maybe. The, the, the Scrooges, you need to price things at the 5, 7, and 9 as well at the end typically? Or is that more for the average shopper? Very, very much in the Scrooges, especially. And because probably you're going to play in the area of $8.99, $9.99, $10.99, something like that for the Scrooges, yep. if I'm talking a regularly priced item. Yep. And then in that middle, it will be something like $18.99. So I would use $17.99 or $19.99. That's what I would never use $18.99 because eight is not such a high converting digit. Yep. And, yep. Uh, and now when you want to be different, then you could have... 45 round dollars for that luxury item of the same kind in the category. Now, and this this is more for my my benefit, I guess, and for other agencies or other service-based companies that might be listening. And this is mainly an e-commerce podcast, but just just because uh, this is interesting. We've always priced our services at even dollar amounts, right? Zero, zero. Uh, not, not just, obviously, we're not tacking, you know, cents onto the end of it, but we're not... We're not charging like twenty nine ninety nine, two thousand nine hundred ninety nine. We would just charge three thousand for something. We feel like ending prices in ninety seven, ninety nine, whatever feels a little gimmicky, and we don't want to be seen as like cheap. So we we end our prices in zero zero. Would that line up with what your research says and what what you have seen to be effective, or would you suggest an agency? But on the page, on the page where you are showing your price, do you have tiers? We don't, we don't, like, show, we don't show prices on. You don't, but when you present it to the customer, do you actually um, have some sort of tiers or like the price, regular price and a discount? Are there more numbers around it? Or there's like a tier, beginner, advanced? Yeah, yeah. so we have kind of flat price. So we charge a minimum and then a, and then a percentage of ad spend. So okay. uh, uh, yeah, so it, it, maybe it, it's not worth getting into on the... <laughs> No, I think it's completely different strategy when you have a business and online yeah. business. And then in that case, it's all about simplifying. So you don't want to put too many things around on one page because you want them to consume the price in milliseconds and then read other things on the page, you know, where you're trying to sell to them. Sure. But on Amazon listings page, it's a completely different story because now the buyer is actually scanning image price, image price, image price. That's like very important. You're comparing yourself to the others. And then you're standing out with that zero, zero. But in your case, I'll just totally go with the round number that 99 doesn't even make sense. It just complicates everything and you have to think too much about it, you know? There's this extra, extra conversion killer in that extra millisecond. You know? Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Um, okay, so let's talk about shipping thresholds, right? So, so there's a lot of people I'm sure that are listening that, that don't have shipping thresholds, right? It's free shipping on everything. But we still, we still have a lot of clients that will set a shipping threshold, $35, $50, what, what is your What are your strategies, your tips for how to price things relative to your shipping threshold? 
So it's very hard to to compete with Amazon's pricing for shipping, right? And um, then you're playing in a completely different world when you are doing the FBM. So I could tell you a strategy for FBA, which is, um, you know, when the free shipping threshold for the Prime users. If you don't have Prime membership, in the United States, you have to buy at least $25 worth of stuff in order to get the free shipping, right? So very often the buyers the very, use this popular feature on Amazon. In the search bar, there's this tick box, free shipping. And then suddenly, if you are under the free shipping threshold, let's say if your price lingers like $21, $22, or $23, $24, you are not in those search results, right? And also when they want to buy your item, and let's say yours is $21, now I'm going to pay for shipping another $5.50. So it's like $26.50 I will pay for that item. But if you just switch it to $25.99 from that $20.99 to $25.99, you will make five extra dollars. The buyer will pay cheaper. It's not $26.50 anymore. It's now $25.99 only, right? And then and in the end, he is paying less and you are making more money. So it's really nice idea to go through your existing listings and check if you have any prices that are just under those thresholds. And in every marketplace, it's a different amount. Like in France, I think it's 29 euros and so on. So just check if it's one or two euros or dollars under those thresholds and increase to be just a little bit above. And now you will say, oh, but what happens to all those, you know, prime members now suddenly? What happens? I'm going to change, you know, the price is drastically going to change now from 20 to 25. Well, it depends again, which bucket you are playing in, right? If you are playing for the Scrooges and they care about the price and you are beating up with the competitors on your sides, don't follow it. So always decide all your pricing strategies depending on what competitors you have around you. So always look at the situation on the first search page and see what bestseller is charging and how you compare to that bestseller. You know, and that's how you should base your strategy. Also, don't forget to not just check it today. The bestseller is charging 17, so I'll charge also 17. No, no, no. Like, because maybe he's running a promotion or he's running out of stock or whatever. Check like Jungle Scout or one of these apps that show you historical averages of the price. And those averages used for your strategy from all of these competitors. Also, yeah. don't forget some of the competitors might be out of stock and not even show up on that page, right? So don't forget to check it again after three weeks and see if the situation is changing. You know, some people are using repricers and so on. So it's a constant... You know, it should be like a strategy session looking at your pricing because that's what basically decides your conversions, right? It's the images and the prices. So it should be ongoing strategy for you to go and re rethink those uh, strategies that you have. Yep, it's a constantly moving target. It is not static. It's always changing. And so you have to be on it and, and be really diligent about it. So uh, to, to kind of summarize what you were just saying there, Think about the shipping threshold for those that are that are not prime members, but what's potentially more important is how your competitors are are priced, and so maybe maybe that let that influence your decision more than the shipping threshold what your competitors are doing. Yeah, exactly. Great, and then and then going back to those those three types of shoppers those uh, the Scrooges and the average buyers and the and the big spenders. What, uh, who, who is most likely to be a prime member? Uh, is that, are they kind of all over the place? I know, I know there's what 90 million prime households now or something crazy like that. So I know there's prime members in all of those buckets, but, but any, any thoughts on how, how those index to prime membership? 
Most cruises will be Prime members because okay. they get the most benefit out of it. Yeah, yeah. They buy the cheap items and they get it delivered for free. And basically, Amazon makes the least money out of them. And um, very often, you would think that Amazon seller would also make the least money in this cruises category, right? Because if you look at, let's say, there is a 100 units in total to be sold, right? And by percentages, 25 Scrooges are going to buy it, 60 um, average buyers, and the rest, there's 15% left for the... Um, for the luxury buyers, right? So now when you look at the prices that you can charge them, if you work out the profit from those three boxes, the best place to be is the average spender. Is actually, you would think that it's nice to sell to a big spender who doesn't even care about the price. They always think about is the benefit of the item that they will buy, you know, what they're going to use it for. And even if they're considering for a week to buy or not, they're not even thinking about the price. They're considering the benefits, you know? So now you're thinking, oh, it's so nice to sell to those luxury buyers. I'll be the luxury item, you know, and make the most money. Well, actually, the most profit is not there because it's such a small percentage of those. And plus, Amazon really attracts the bargain hunters a lot. In the old times, that's how it built a name for itself, you know, attracted all the... We have the cheapest prices and the biggest selection, right? That was their their thing. And that's how they attracted a lot of bargain hunters. So people assume that they will find the best prices on Amazon. So therefore, there's not so many of the big spenders there. And now, like you said, is it the Scrooges are going to be the prime, <laughs> the prime members? Most of the time, yes. And uh, so you know, Scrooges and the average sellers is going to be exactly the price points that are just around those thresholds, you know, that's so you Got can it. play play the so, game. So that. ideally, and, and you can kind of think about this as a, like a bell curve, right? Where, where most people are in that, in that average middle, right? The 60%. And then you have kind of the fringes on either side and as 25% for the Scrooges and 15 for the big spenders, but living somewhere in the middle, um, definitely gives you more opportunities to sell and in a larger audience to go after, which is probably but you know, good. Actually, sometimes, you know, if you see everybody's in that middle, like you have, I don't know, 20 pages of that middle and nobody's doing that option that is the luxury nice item, right? <laughs> so go to your manufacturer and the process starts there. So you could say, okay, I'll take the same knife sharpener and now let's make it stainless steel instead. And let's put this velvet bag and a box around it. And then let's make it a little bit different. Something into the same item improves the, the materials and the components. And then you can charge suddenly because you are now distinct item from the rest so you can charge more, right? And then just play on those benefits that the big spender might find. So if there's too many players that are sharing that box in the middle and there's not enough players sharing that luxury box, you know, you may want to switch to that one. So again, like I said, always look at the first page results and just write down each of the competitors, how many you have, look at their strategy. Uh, at, at conferences, when I speak, very often people come to me with their phone and they show me the product and say, so how much should I charge, you know? So oh. always what I do first is I scroll to the bestseller. I see the Amazon choice, how much these guys are. And then I just scroll back and forth to the page and see how much everyone else is charging. And very often the best strategy, if you are like number two or three result, the best strategy is just to exactly match your bestseller. Exactly. Let's say $17.99 and 5% off. Well, you do $17.99, 5% off. Why? Because now the buyer suddenly not going to look at the price anymore. He's just choosing by the picture, by the benefit. And he's just thinking if he likes this one better, you know? So if 
And if you make a little bit different price, and suddenly he starts looking at reviews and all these other things, you know. So it's it always depends on what's around you as well. Yeah, I, I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think there there are well, there's more shoppers that are that are average or normal, right? By definition, that's a larger bucket. Sometimes you can make a lot of money. Sometimes the biggest opportunity for you is that on the fringes, right? Sometimes that's where the opportunity is because the middle is so crowded because everybody's going after the average buyer. So, so then another strategy would be if that... So the bestseller and Amazon Choice, they're priced at a certain level, but then there's tons and tons of options that are right there priced near those. Then, then maybe a strategy would be to consider going higher and going after premium in that case. Or even lower. I used to not recommend going to the, for the Scrooges because the profit margin is so small there. No space for PPC, no space for yep. refund rate, nothing. But you know, after one of my talks where I presented those strategies, seven-figure seller comes to me and says, you know, Paulina, you tell nobody to be in that smallest bucket, you know, the Scrooges, but I, I am only there and I make most of my money from that, you know, just making 50 cents and $1 profit on each unit and I make my seven figures. And I'm like, really? So there is space, like you said, on the fringes, you know, you can yep. actually make money if you feel that's your opportunity, get it, you know, so analyze the market first. Absolutely. Absolutely. Got it. So, you know, I'm a big believer in, in data and, you know, we're a, an agency that focuses on running ad campaigns and, and helping companies accelerate their growth through ads primarily. Uh, we're a big fan of split testing, right? So let, let's split test different offers and different headlines and different, uh, different ad campaign types and things like that. Uh, what about split testing price? How do, you, how do you do that? What should you be looking for? How, how would you go about split testing for price? It's actually super, super hard to split test the price. And I know tools exist like Split, Splitly and like Cashco Pro, I think, does it. And there's other tools that basically use one price for a week, one price for the next week. But in reality, it doesn't really work. Well, first reason why it doesn't work, that you have to have statistical significance to even trust the test. That means the product has to be high volume product in order in a short time without the seasonality affecting it to test it properly. So only the high volume products could be properly split tested in reality. So if you're ever going to do split test, how I did it on my highest volume products, I was basically running one price for two weeks another price for two weeks, then skip the holidays, Cinco de Mayo, you know, and yep. then again, two weeks of one price, two weeks of the next price. And then you also have to turn off PPC. So be very careful when you do that, you know, don't just switch off PPC, probably just lower the bids to like three cents because, you know, switching off PPC affects your ranking right away. You're going to just drop in sales. So this split testing is very hard to do, but there are proper ways to do it if you are really you know, in the trenches with the other guys fighting side by side and you really need those extra clicks, extra little things, then you can try the test, but make sure that you calculate how many views you need for statistical significance. There is a way to do it. So basically you go to your reports in Seller Central, there's the business reports and it shows you how many sessions you get to each listing a week, right? So yep. that will be your number of how much traffic you get. And then there's this tool online. You can just Google statistical significance calculator, but there is one abtestguide.com where you can put in the number of that sessions that you have. AB, AB guide? Right. abtestguide.com. That's the one yeah. I use. So you just put in your uh, number of sessions. 
And then you put in what uh, conversion rate right now you have. Like I had 15% conversion rate. And then you put your desired conversion rate, like 17%. Little bit increase I want. So which price will give me more increase? And then it tells you, you should run for four weeks that test. There you go. Now you have your, your answer, depending on how many sessions. That's how long you have to run your split test. So you do, you know, two weeks of this price, two weeks of that, skip the seasons, two weeks of this, two weeks of that, and then you'll have a proper statistically significant test. So because of that complexity in there, it's really hard to do. You know, many uh, products are seasonally affected and... Yeah. Um, and not yeah. all of us high volume products, you know. So and anytime, especially if you have a if, if it's a high volume product making any kind of change, it's risky, it's a, right? It's risky, yeah, because you, you yeah. impact your rankings and your velocity, and then things kind of compound either negatively or positively. And so there's definitely some some risk. You know, if if you start testing and you see immediately that your sessions keep track and don't just put in splitly and forget for two weeks, especially if it's like a risky product like that, which is bringing you a lot of money, you know, check it. If you see your sessions going down too much and then, you know, that's it. You have to just switch up the test. Don't test anymore. Don't wait, you know, because once you lose your rankings, it's not so quickly that Amazon will put you back, you know? Yep. Yep. So just play carefully with that or don't do it all, you know? So true. So true. What about, what about launching a new product? So it seems to me for, from interacting with my listeners and meeting at events and stuff like that, most of the folks listening to the show are already selling and they're established and they have usually an Amazon business and their own website. So they're, they're rocking along. But, but we always preach a line extension, right? So, so look for that next complimentary product to launch. Uh, and I'm sure we have some people that are, that are still just getting started as well, which is fine. Uh, but, but what would you recommend for launching a product? How would you price a product that's brand new that you're, that you're launching? So when you're launching a product, you'll have to decide your price, right? So usually mathematically, how you decide? Well, first of all, before the math, most of us just think, oh, how much I would pay? Ah, okay, that much, 25. <laughs> and they put the price like this. So be careful with that. Like try to climb out of your own financial limitations because there are other people there. You know, there are big spenders and the average spenders. You know, they could be people that think that 35 is not that much for that item. So don't limit yourself, first of all, with your own financial limitations box. But mathematically, when you are calculating how much to charge, you look at your break-even. And break-even means including all the costs, accounting a little bit for PPC as well, not only manufacturing and shipping. There's many other things, you know, there's also refund rate you will have, let's say, 10% refund rate. So account for that percentage. Coupons, you will enable 60 cents for each item. All of these things, you know. So put that into your break-even calculation and then add like 40% margin because that's the average margin that private labelers are making. Um, if you are wholesaler or reseller, it's probably about 10%. So depending on your situation, most of the time, probably the ones who are listening will be private labelers. So just add 40% to your break-even and you will see your top price, that the dream price, and then the break-even price. So the biggest mistake that most people do is they start at the break-even price. You know, they just, if it's $12.99, my break-even, and they just think, oh, I need to launch fast and quickly. I'm going to use $12.99 and they're going to sell like crazy. Well, not always. If everybody is $17.99 and you are $12.99, you'll be that cheap low quality item nobody wants and you are like switching up your strategy too much. And the worst thing that happens when you do that is that when you want to get to your $45 dream price or whatever 
$12.99. So your dream price is like $18.99, I guess. So once you want to jump there, it's not so easy to jump it because Amazon will not let you just switch the price to $18 from $12. You will have to slowly increase it. $1 maybe today, one week later, another $0.50, cents, maybe another, and it's forever. Now, new, new people who are listening might not know what's happening, why Amazon doesn't let you. Well, what happens is you lose your buy box. And how does that look like? Even if you are the only What kind of a price change triggers that loss of buy box? I, I don't know, and probably nobody knows, but probably significant enough that there is a a percentage different of some yeah, kind, yeah, yeah. you know, but um, it's very hard to say. So the only way to know is you switch the price by $1 up and check if you lost the buy box. And for those new people, the way it looks like when you're losing your buy box, it's instead of a yellow button add to cart, you will suddenly have the button see all buying options and there will be no price anymore. And that means you lost your buy box even if you are the only seller. And that kills your conversions right away. Like you're not going to sell that much anymore. So don't lose that buy box. So instead of starting at the bottom, when you're launching, I recommend starting somewhere above the middle, a little bit above the middle. That way you are in the right bucket, which you want to target in the end. So the correct buyer will be buying your product. And then you are not the highest priced at the launch and it will be easier to climb up there. Makes sense. Makes sense. So thinking about what my price, how my price appeals to the, the market I'm going after and how my starting price now, how it relates to where I want to be priced for the long haul. And and so thinking about that strategically, that that makes sense. Uh, what about what about bundling? So when is the right time to bundle? Because I know one of the fears is if we create these bundles and they don't sell, now we're stuck with all these bundles in an FBA storage, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a fulfillment center somewhere. So so when should you bundle and how? Bundling is a good idea only when it makes sense. When it makes sense, you have to look at the numbers first. So you look again at the business reports on your Seller Central and then spend like a year. First year, don't make any bundles. You know, just sell it in single units. And then you'll have enough data to look at it a year later from the business reports. You'll see how many people buy how many units on average. If the average is more than two, that means that's the very good product to to bundle. If the average is only like 1.1, don't bundle that product, you know, mm. because you'll be stuck with a lot of inventory and pay a lot of storage fees. Now, the, the reason for new... What, what, new if, what, if the average, that, what if the average is north of 1.5? Would you, would you consider bundling at that point? Or, or is it mm. just when it's approaching two that you would, you would think of bundling? Two or higher? Only two or higher, I would do. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. It's just doesn't make sense financially because you will have much, much lower sales on sure. that. And, you know, makes sense. In, in reality, a bundle actually brings you more profit per unit. The, the savings come from FBA fee not increasing so drastically. Like referral fee just doubles up every time you add another unit, but FBA fee only a little bit increases. So in reality, you have big savings. You can even offer the savings for the buyer by $1 every time you add another unit. And you will still make more money per unit if you bundle like three items. Instead of $3, you'll make $4.50 per unit when you sell a bundle. How, how funny is that, right? You charge less and you make more because of that FBA fee there. So it's always a very good idea to look at bundling options and see if you have any potential products for that. 
Love it. What, what about if you have a product that gets that uh, dreaded add-on item tag? Uh, what what do you do there? And so, and maybe explain what that means for those that don't know. Yeah, the add-on is such a bad slap, right? <laughs> because, well, what happens is they put this add-on flag on your listing. And that automatically means that the buyer cannot purchase your item on its own. They have to buy something else that is up to, I don't know, a certain amount, like $25, I would say, just to, they only can add it to cart, not buy on its own. And that kills conversions again, right away. So you totally want to avoid that. The, the, the way they decide to put that add-on tag is when the item is very cheap, usually less than $10 in price, and it's very expensive or big, so that means expensive to ship for them. So they use UPS or whatever to ship, right? And when the cost is more than the fees you're going to pay them, that's the point when they automatically put add-on item on yours. That way they can save on shipping and actually make some money from that sale. So always try to charge more than $10 if you can. And if you cannot, then bundle your items. You know, don't be that under $10 item. It's very hard. Even though I mentioned there was a seven-figure seller who makes all his money that way, but this is completely different out-of-the-box strategy that I'm not so familiar with. All my yeah. items are like $25, 45 Yep. There, there seems like there's always, there are always exceptions to rules and there are always people that, that go a different route and make money. But uh, usually better to stay with what's uh, proven and what has the higher likelihood of success. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what, what are some other what are some other psychological tricks or tips as it relates to price? So, uh, you know, when you're using coupons, and advice is to use coupons. Most sellers don't do it. it. Used to be orange flags, you know, as a coupon. Now it's green, and that green so nicely contrasts with the oranges everywhere on that Amazon page that it actually attracts the eye. It gets you higher click-through rate that equals to higher conversions automatically on Amazon. So it's always important to add that coupon in there. And now there are many different um, psychological tricks that you can use when you are selecting what amount for price and coupon combination to have because there's like unlimited combinations of coupon amount and, and the price, right? So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so so uh, do you recommend that that everybody try couponing or, or does it kind of depend on who you're targeting? Which of those buckets you're targeting and, and how you want your product to be positioned? Uh, or, or do you feel like couponing is, is a good idea for everybody? Everybody, even the luxury item buyer. So imagine the luxury item will be four hundred forty nine, and you will give them one hundred dollars off. You know, so it's it still mm, sounds nice and appealing, and that coupon will shine there. You know, all next to it. So coupon definitely helps in in all the cases. Um, generally, there are strategies. You know, because there are two ways to choose. You could choose percentage off or round dollar amount, right? So which one you should use? And unfortunately, there is no certain like rule. There are many different strategies online. But what I ended up doing in the end is I go by the feeling, you know. Whatever feels like the best discount. Feel like a better deal. Yeah, like I'll give you an option like you can choose. For example, it's the $25 price. So should I give you $10 off or 40% off? Which one sounds like a better deal? 40%. Yeah, because it's... It's just like a bigger number and it just feels like a better deal, right? When you see it together visually and, and for example, $450 price, when there's 22%, 
off or $100 off? Now, which one? Is $100, it? $100, yeah. $100. So it's like, whichever is the bigger number and a little bit with the feeling you can go. So you see, you have that feeling. So you just, just use that when you're deciding which ones to use. And there is another trick that you can use. Um, you know, let's say your price and is 20, one, one, uh, yeah? one quick question, one, one quick other question on, on coupons. So, so do you recommend running those pretty regularly or just, just on occasion or how else would you inform kind of a I coupon? I would strategy? always have them on. Okay. I would always, and very often they expire and competitors, because they expire every 90 days and competitors don't often have, and you have to restart them manually. So you have to have your VA going and restarting them or doing it yourself on schedule. And most sellers don't do it. They just run it once and forget about it. And it expires and they don't even know what happened, but the sales are dropping. So, yeah. Got it. Cool. And you were about to talk about another another trick. Before. Yeah, there's this one little thing about the coupon in combination with the price. Imagine the price is $21. You could either give $3 off or $4 off. Now, which one do you think is better to give? From twenty one. Well, I mean, so so four dollars is a larger number, but if we go back to our rules of uh, the, the the friendly numbers or appealing numbers, you know, odd numbers are better. Maybe maybe three dollars is better. You have a good sense about that. You're good. You know, in reality, the real answer is we don't even know why. But when we are thinking about that price, it's just it divides twenty one divides by three, right? There's a multiple. And it's very, very easy to just quickly understand how much of a discount I'm getting. 18, you know, 21 minus 3, 18. But 21 minus 4, now 1 to the side and minus 3, that's 17. See the extra step I have to make to calculate that? And nobody does the math usually. So the more simple comprehension of the price, the easier it is to comprehend, the better it will convert for you. So try to make it, use little tricks like that. Interesting. And and that that is such a good point. Uh, I actually always kind of liked math, not like calculus type math, but trigonometry and algebra and geometry I liked. But uh, most people don't like to do math, right? And nobody wants to work hard to figure out what the discount's going to be or what this actually means to them. So so yeah, thinking about, and, and this all goes back to the perception thing, right? Uh, making something easy to calculate, instantly clear where it's not a hang up and they know what they're going to get. All, all of that is is super important. Um, right. Really great. Uh, other other tips and tricks beyond coupons. Anything else we want to uh, mention here? Mm, I guess there are so many other little strategies that I could use. If I would have to say just one more. Um, by accident, I discovered that there is a service which is called business. Um, you can enable business service. Amazon business is called. If you go to your U- uh, seller central in the settings, you will find that service and very often it's not enabled. So just enable it. I did it by accident. You should do it on purpose. So just enable it and that will allow you to have business buyers eyes on your listing. And you can then put in the discounts, which are like quantity discounts. And that means if you buy five units, you can pay that much. So it's really nice to get that those extra eyes in there and get a little bit of extra boost. Love it. Love that idea. Awesome. Well, Paulina, let, let's talk a little bit about Shopkeeper. So you built this tool to help your own FBA business and your husband's FBA business, but then it grew and now lots and lots of people use Shopkeeper. What does Shopkeeper do and who is it for? So in two words, it's a profit dashboard, but it's not so simple. It actually helps you to decide which problems to take care of first. 
That's the main thing that it does. You can manage by exception, so to say. You come to the app and then you, you, you look at your numbers and you immediately can spot the problems. You know, here I overspent on storage fees. It needs to be done something. Here I am just losing money for no reason. Amazon is increasing their fees, you know, uh, increased their fees and I didn't even notice, you know, and things like that you can notice with the app. So it's, it helps you. It's not an accounting software which will tr- automatically expand to your accountant. Accountant always will still want to go to your seller central. You sure. know, they don't usually trust any of the apps. They still go and pull the reports. So that is more for your analytics and for your business. So basically it helps you to decide what are the most important things to do in your business next. And we are focusing on the non-technical users mostly. So um, you know how spreadsheets and accounting is so boring and people usually for don't sure. like that at for all. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so our, our strategies and concepts are to present everything as simple as possible. Revenue, profit, and units sold. If you want more information, you click on that number, then you get all the breakdown. Then you click on one of these items, then that breakdown. And then you continue clicking to get more information. And that makes it much more clear and easy to understand and how it is. So um, that's the whole appeal of our software. Actually, a few of our competitors who are very complex softwares and need a lot of introduction and teaching, they send the, the smaller sellers to us saying that that's the more simple to use. Right. Interesting. <laughs> Go there. Yeah. So, so give, it a, give us an example. What are, what are some insights that might be gained from Shopkeeper that, that might remain kind of hidden or not obvious if we didn't use Shopkeeper? So, for example, recently one of uh, our Spanish sellers, his name is Francisco. So he told me that he had this Excel sheet where his VA would track Amazon fees every day, how much they're charging him. But with Shopkeeper, because we are breaking down each order, you can just open a list of all the orders and then you see you're making $17 profit, 17, 17, 17, then suddenly 14, 14, 14, 14, 14, 14, right? So basically decrease, the Amazon fees decreased and then you go to investigate what happened there. And so things like that, you can notice the Amazon fee changes. You can see the big unexpected charges. You can also break down each order, not only to see what the seller central is showing you, but also unrelated things like coupon redemption fee that was related to that order and then storage fees and the PPC appropriate amount for that order, how much it divided to be for PPC for that spend. And then other things that are not so clear from Amazon Seller Central, when you're looking at refunds and your income, the refunds are presented very nicely. I usually get a lot of compliments on on how refunds are presented. It's easy to understand what has been refunded and what wasn't. So all of these good things. You should just come and check it out. Actually, I have a surprise uh, for your audience. Awesome. I like, hey, I like surprises. <laughs> hopefully yeah, there's, there there's a, a good price or a good coupon or so. We're talking price and coupons. So hopefully there's one it of those. It is. It is. <laughs> but if the audience is yawning right now and thinking, ah, whatever, she's just going to give me two months free trial. Well, no, it's not going to be just two months free trial. And usually software, our software is normal trial is 14 days. And most of the specials that other software is running is usually 60 days free trial or 45. No, while I will give you 180 days free trial. That wow. is six months free trial. <laughs> well, that's, that's a so, lot. Very, very generous. Very cool. Right? So, so to claim that, what you have to do, you will have to go to shopkeeper.com and there will be the little chat bubble like everyone has in their websites. In that chat bubble, simply type in nothing else except the coupon code, Stingray180. 
So that's like the fish, which I like. <laughs> Stingray, 180. And then the customer service uh, team will take care of your request. They will upgrade your account automatically to VIP status and you'll have a six months uh, free. Amazing. Six months free trial. <laughs> Check it out. What are you waiting for? Stingray, 180 at Shopkeeper. I'll link to that. Drop that in the show notes for the show as well. And so with that, in, any other ways that people can connect with you? Is that is that the best way just through Shopkeeper or can people connect with you on LinkedIn or, or yeah, else? Yeah, I, I actually write a blog of my experiences as a seller. I have these Great. long, long stories that I write on my blog. So if you go to shopkeeper.com blog forward slash blog, you'll find those stories over there with many screenshots and what happened to me and all these things. So Fantastic. Um, you can go and get me there. Really good stuff. Paulina Mason, ladies and gentlemen. This has been a blast, Paulina. I am endlessly fascinated by pricing and the psychology that goes with it and then how that ties into profits and all that good stuff. So uh, thanks for delivering so much good value. Thank you for the great offer at Shopkeeper. Uh, Really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you very much for inviting me. Take care. Yeah, very good. So as always, thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to hear from you. Give us your show topic ideas. Give us any feedback. We'd love that five-star review on iTunes if you are so inclined. Uh, And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.